You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week Podcast, episode 356, brought to you by Seagate, GoFlex Satellite Hard Drive, and Audible. Welcome to the fanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast, episode 356, brought to you... It is six, I can confirm that. Brought to you from New York City, in Josh's hotel room. <laughs> well, it's, it's a small room. Josh, it's his pod, it's his hotel pod. Uh, my name is it's Con- not a room! My name is Conico Patrick, and I'm here with uh, Ron Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hello. Uh, we are at fanboy.com, and we like comics, and this is the weekend of New York Comic Con, we're here covering it, and so if you're a long-time listener, you know that during com- Comic Con weekends... You get a slightly abridged version of the Pick of the Week podcast. So if you're a nude listener, this is, would not be a representative of the show itself. A nude listener? If you're a new or nude listener. Okay, we we yeah. accept all It's listeners. true. Either version of that sentence. <laughs> if you're a nude listener... This isn't your typical podcast. That's true. Or if you're a new listener, same thing. Well, so It's helpful to know that we're here in Josh's hotel room and we're nude. So we're all in it together. We accept really. everyone. Yeah, okay. I have a market. <laughs> so... So if you're a new listener, uh, you might want to l- listen to the next week's show or next week's show to get a good sense of what the show's actually like normally. Although this is pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> this new, new thing. So this is a review show. Uh, we, have, you know, we read the books of the week. We picked the best one. And so if you haven't read your books, don't listen to the show because it'll be spoiled to find out. Someone died. Someone very beloved died this week in the comics. We're going to talk about that later. Oh, God. No, really? Stan's okay. Yes. Oh. In, in the Wolverine show. Oh, right, right, right. So uh, Ron had the, had the great honor, and I actually had, Josh actually witnessed Ron going through the pain of having to thank this pick of the week. He was over at my, my mom's house where I was staying for the con. Uh, we got our books together, and I watched Ron struggle. And no one's going to believe this, but he struggled about this. It was up to the last moment. And the pick of the week was... Uncanny Avengers number one, um, and I gotta tell you, it was it was a struggle. Um, uh, normally, con weeks, of course, they're packed with releases and lots of high profile releases. And this week probably had three of the biggest, most anticipated releases from three of the biggest comic publishers this week. Uh, I mean, in the industry between Marvel Comics, DC Comics, and Image Comics, um, three books that both Connor and I, I know, were hotly awaiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we talked about when we went to Burger Tree Comics to go pick up our books and, and do all that fun stuff. Um, ultimately, I sat down, and at the end of the day, I had to go with my my loyal loyalty as a fan to Marvel um, and give the slight edge on the pick of the week to Uncanny Avengers number one over the runner-up, uh, which was clearly Batman number 13, and we'll get to that in a bit. The thing is, I you know, in my pick of the week was obviously Batman, but you take Batman out of the equation, and, and Avengers is... This yeah, is my pick anyway. So I, it was a great. I love right. Movie. Yeah, and 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 the thing about Uncanny Avengers, and as I wrote about my review, which you can go read on ifanboy.com, is that you know, listen, this is this is a this book is a, is kind of a big deal. This is the first book in the new Marvel Now publishing initiative that Marvel did, and so like kind of all eyes are on this book. 
Additionally, what you had is you had the kind of the new status quo now of merging the Avengers and the X-Men, um, which I'm going to get to also in a moment. Um, but then from a creator standpoint, you had Rick Remender who, after years of, I don't want to say struggling, but, but working hard in the indie, indie scene and, and doing independent comics, and then finally getting, if, if you ask me, the recognition he deserves with a, with a legendary run on Uncanny X-Force, kind of getting the keys to the car. He's, he's doing the flagship book. He's doing the flagship book. They didn't turn to Bendis. They didn't turn to Hickman. They didn't turn to, you Jason, know, to Aaron. Jason Aaron. They didn't, you know, Brubaker left. Like, all the big names that we've been used to at Marvel, this is kind of Remender's moment to shine. So, you know, a lot of pressure. Additionally, they paired him up with John Cassidy, who, aside from the last issue of Planetary in 09 and uh, a short story in the Rocketeer Adventures, we have not seen any sequentials from in literally like over five or six years. Ron and I spent a good half an hour trying to find if he'd done any sequentials going through the internet. It was... He hadn't. Right. And if you're... I believe you. It's been a long time. And if you're a comic book fan, you know that he... um, you know, he's been doing covers for the past couple of years of varying degrees of quality. To books you probably didn't read. Yeah, yeah. A Superman, great deal of them. Superman Grounded. Oh, I was that Superman more cover to... was fantastic. That's Superman, yeah, I mean, I, I'll give John Cassidy this credit. In his period of doing covers, the Superman, the kid with the black eye, I almost bought the original art for it. That's how much I love that, that, that cover. But um, ironically. But ironically, yes. But no, but, no, but the no, cover itself was beautiful. Was, it looked sure. beautiful. Yeah. That said, I wouldn't fucking wipe my ass with those Shadowland covers. <laughs> those were just, those were... You've gotten, those? you've gotten really harsh I've gotten really harsh yeah, yeah but mean, no but, but honestly those Shadowland covers were a real line in the sand in terms of you know like it was like I, wow is this the John, is this the John Cassidy that that astonishing X-Men and Planetary that won Eisner Awards and we raved about in the mid 2000s is this what he does now I, I was more offended about the books themselves the books inside weren't that as bad. Except, although I do love that the, the fucking Shadowland building is just still sitting in Hell's Kitchen. Like, Kingpin lives there now. Like, no one has any... Which is no, odd because of the paper wall. Yeah. And, uh... Anyway, but, um, so, the, so there was a big question as what John Cassidy were we going to get? Um, and so, like, going into it, I had no no concerns about Remender. I knew he was going to step up and deliver a story that, that would be, you know, he, he's figured it out. He has honed his writing and he has honed his skills of writing these Marvel characters so well with Uncanny X-Force and Secret Avengers and stuff he's been doing that, you know, like honestly going into a new Remender would do well. But Cassidy to me was the big kind of the X-Factor. And admittedly, I got to the second page, second panel and the close-up on Wolverine looking up at the Professor Xavier's face and I went, oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. This is this is the Cassidy I remember. This is the Cassidy from Astonishing X Men. One of the things I noticed about it, looking at it, was immediately you had the feeling of, oh, I'm reading, I'm reading Astonishing X Men again. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it didn't, it didn't. It wasn't the same kind of writing or anything, but it just transported you to sort of, all oh, right, those comics, which is a very positive experience for me. So I was, you know, it put me in a good place. Did you read this? I did. Yeah. I did. I was curious because it's 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 a it's a not reboot reboot right. It's the, yes, it's the relaunch. So it it builds on what happened before. But I thought, and having having read Avengers X Men, I may be wrong, but I thought it did a good enough job of, of placing the setting and giving you the information you needed to go forward. Is that true? Yeah. Or not true? I didn't have a problem. But what's different about me than a lot of people is I really like. The I really like jumping back into one of these ongoing stories and not knowing exactly where I was. It reminds me of how I used to read comics when I was a kid how more than anything. Yeah. Like I would just I pick up you could pick up a random issue of you know in the two hundreds of Avengers and you just start reading it and, and and you're piecing together where things were. I remember the first time I ever read the the Dark Phoenix saga. It felt just like that. So that 
doesn't bother. I like yeah, that, yeah. and this was this made me feel like that in a yeah. way. So that's one of the things I really like. I mean, they, they did a good job. Wolverine delivering the eulogy for Professor Xavier kind of set the tone. We mm-hmm. understand what's happened in the X Men's world. Um, we see Havoc going to visit Cyclops in prison, which you whatever. <laughs> um, you know, but then that gets followed up with Captain America and Thor approaching him and basically inviting him to join the Avengers. I actually really fun. liked the inclusion of Havoc and his place in the book. Oh yeah, and Havoc has been an underused character for years, and now, it made so. it made a lot of sense. It, they they do kind of represent the new. Xavier and Magneto dichotomy. Yeah. He's yeah. the more Xavier type and now Cyclops is the more Magneto type. Yeah. As much as you may dislike that, that's where that seems where they're going and, with it. And it's another blonde white dude. So, uh, <laughs> so they got that going for them. But, um, well, um, wait, is the team all, except for Wolverine, all blonde white dudes? It is. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, but what, what, what I thought was interesting was that not only making it accessible, but you got that little touch of that little touch of remender that he brings to it. So, like, when Cap approaches Havoc, he goes, hey, come have a cup of coffee with me. You have mm-hmm. Thor behind him going, they also have lattes if you prefer. I do. You know, like, you just kind of chuckle. Or, like, or in the main action sequence, we see um, Avalanche, who is a former Brotherhood of Evil Mutants member, kind of return and start tearing up the street. And there's all the people kind of screaming. And one of this, the text uh, bubbles of people screaming, someone going, not like the, not like this, you know. So, so you, had the, you had those little moments of, 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 like, a little bit of humor. And you get, you know, you get a sense of uh, right out of the gate, Captain America, Thor, and Havoc, you know, working together, and you get a sense of okay, what can we, what can we see from this? Um, and then that leads to Scarlet Witch visiting the grave of Xavier and trying to say sorry, and Rogue kind of kicking her out, and you instantly get the conflict that that pre-exists between Avengers and X Men. No matter if, what. if Rogue hadn't shown up, yeah, do you think there's any chance? She would have talked about what was in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because that's that's on Bendis' shoulders. The Avengers run listen, isn't over yet. I'm still listen, holding out. I'm just saying. Yeah. Rick has a ball that he could pick up and run. Uh, oh, I, oh, I know. I plan to speak to him at the con about that. Okay. Um, but and then ultimately it ends with the with the with the, with the big kind of scary horrific gross kind of um, ending and we see the Red Skull is back and that he is um, he has exhumed the body of Xavier and took out his brain. Which I, is fucking pretty definitive when you say, is Xavier going to come back? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. there's a brain. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, I like that, that uh, Cassidy went with the sort of um, Golden Age style yeah. uh, uh, Red Skull. Yeah. As opposed to, like, as opposed to the, you know, Brubaker's Red Skull was sort of grotesque. Or, or the, the, the 80s, 90s heavy brow. Yeah. Martian yeah. Manager I like when they switch around in that. I yeah. think that, that keeps it, it fun. Yep. I, I, but speaking of fun, I think one one Remender's strengths is that there's big action and there's some really gross stuff as you just mentioned, but it's also kind of wacky. Yep. Which yep. is which, um, which is what he does, and he did he did that on Kenny X Force. On Kenny yeah. X Force, as as serious and heartfelt as it is, there's also wacky business in there. And in Secret Avengers Week Two, he had the the bite of the black ant. Yep. And. And you have some goofy villains, like, but goofy in a in a good way. Goofy in a realistic way. I mean, it yeah. injects that. I mean, because that's the thing is that, like, even you think about real life, even in our most, you know, kind of moments of of at least for us, I know for us, moments of seriousness or whatever, <laughs> you can't help but crack a joke or whatever, just to cut, you know, to have some brevity with it, you know. And so he brings that to it. Um, the other thing I found really interesting about this was, you know, is that you know, these comics are supposed to be fun. Yeah. And that, you know, if I was 13 and you told me that there's going to be a team of Avengers and X-Men together and they were joining, I'd be all over that. And, oh, yeah. And this book totally had me kind of reliving that and kind of like saying, you know, I'm going to have a fun time with it. But so. even even as a more mature reader, yeah. story-wise, it makes sense why they're going to try this now. Yeah. And it, and it comes organically, at least out of that story. People may not have liked, but at least 
Yeah. What we have here is an organic outcropping of Avengers vs. Yeah. I would like to point out that I noticed that I really liked the lettering in this book before I saw who did it. There did was, it? it was Eliopolis. There, there were a couple of instances where, where uh, in the Scarlet Witch Rogue scene where they, they took the text and they didn't put it in a box or anything. Yeah. It was just on the on the page and it just looked really nice. I was like, oh, that's really, that's that's nice. Like, there was a couple of other, other bits like that. Um, so the question is, are you still going to read this? Yeah, I'll read it for a bit. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I... I I like the Avengers. I always have, and I just got tired of the Avengers as they were for yeah. for a while. So well, I'll well it's interesting. We're going to get to that later on. We can talk about the Avengers book, the regular one. Right. Uh, but but the overwhelming community choice. Yeah. So I so I totally and that's the thing. I totally understand. This. So so uh, over. feel like a you moment. Yeah. Over totally overwhelming. The I are they mad community. though? Because I chose like a dark horse book. At least you chose one that on any other week would have yeah, also been. No, they're, they're yeah. kind of but um, uh, the overwhelming community pick from the iFanboy community, as well as Connor's pick, was Batman number 13 by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, which is the first issue of the death of a family kind of story event, which returns the Joker to Batman. And listen, and I tweeted it this morning on the way into the city, just, you know, I'm not stupid. This was a fucking great comic book. Like, it's, it's a five-star book. Absolutely. I just, on behalf of the iFan base, Ron, I just want to say, you suck. Right, yeah, there you and go. And you're predictable, yeah. and you're yeah. probably getting paid. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Who's paying you this week? Yeah. Probably Snyder. Yeah. But you didn't do it this week. I mean, it just, you're a shill, and, and we don't trust you. Right, yeah. Okay, I've got that out of the way. Okay, good. Um, I thought this was creepy in all the ways it had to be creepy in an opening issue of a story like this, where the Joker's going to go after Batman's family. Uh, which is his sidekicks, Alfred, uh, the commissioner. And I thought the opening scene in the, in the police station was damn creepy. The first time you saw him standing in the doorway, kind of a small panel, but far off the distance, where it didn't really hit you over the head. It was just kind of there. You need to figure out what you're and he, looking and at. And he's an unstoppable force. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing to be done. I thought when he told Jim that he's been sleeping under Jim's bed while Jim slept there was... Creepy. Yeah, totally fucked up. Fucked like the, up. The, 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 the knowing, best possible way. The knowing of the secret uh, stashes for the for the cigarettes. Yeah, yeah I mean, totally, totally creepy. Totally um, creepy. And I think this this is setting up, you know, the Joker is the scariest, most formidable villain that Batman has, and this is setting up to feel that way. Yep, agreed. Um, um, yeah, no, I mean, and and if anything, the if anything, the why Uncanny Avengers didn't edge this out as being for the pick of the week, at least for me, is one, is that I have a predilection towards X-Men and sure. Avengers over Batman on a Marvel kid over a DC kid. That, that was a piece of it. But then the other piece of it is is that this is the first issue. And while it was creepy and had all stuff like that, like I have great expectations for what's to come. Mm-hmm. you know. And while this was great and this was a great start, like it's gonna, it's just going to get better from here. Um, I remember in San Diego... Uh, when we interviewed Snyder, he showed us this the final page shot of Joker yep. uh, in black and white early art, obviously, and it, it is as creep, as messed up as it looked in black and white. The, yep. uh, the fact that he has turned his old face into a mask and he wears it has sort of fallen half off, it's stretched in weird places. Um, yeah. It's it's creepy. Now, the it's worth talking about, because uh, I know I have my ideas, obviously, this might be answering the question, but this would seem to imply that the Joker knows who Batman is. Oh, of course. It's, it certainly would. Yes. But Yeah. No, I, th- I think it applies. I, I think, think it, it's possible that you could say that he's known all along, yes. but that was the joke. No, to me, I think he's known all along and doesn't care because he yeah. doesn't care about Bruce Wayne. He cares it's, about Batman. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a great way of looking at it. I would say one of the, you know, for me... Uh, my favorite thing about this is I was I got past the first part and I was like oh there's a backup I'll I'll see if I want to read the backup and I was two pages this looks like Chuck this is Chuck he's drawing <laughs> Batman again so I was very I was pleasantly surprised with that yeah 
Um, and no, it was this, this is gorgeous. I mean, I don't want to set expectations too high, but this this is the starting. I mean, if you adding the jock backups in, this is, oh, the look jock at backup it. was creepy, and, and yeah. it was yeah. I think it's saying the tone that this is not your Mr. J Joker, and even no. I mean, she says says it in the issue, but it's mm-hmm. not like that. I mean, she, he doesn't care about Harley, he doesn't care about anybody. It's it's a different kind of Joker. It's almost yeah. like Grant Morrison. Yeah, idea which I love. Eight or nine years ago, that the Joker sort of changes personalities every yeah. so often. Yeah, I, I think, and I think, I think that's always just a justification for doing it over and over again. And Capullo is always worth mentioning. I think he turns some of the more awful costume designs like the Red Robin one, and it actually works when he somewhat more when he works when he draws it. I think uh, he does a great job with all the heavy shadow work. Um, he's as big big of a star in this book as Scott Snyder is, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is. I think this is what everyone was hoping for. When it was first announced, and the cover is creepy. The cover is super creepy. Yeah, way to go with the production. They're yeah. making and they the do that across covers. all the Batman yep. books, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah so even the background one had only one page related to the story. Well, what did you do? Um, but I yeah, almost no, read it based on that, though. So. I well, in the little words, it says prologue above uh-huh. above the little logo, which people didn't catch because yeah. that's what they did. But um, yeah, no, Batman was great, and I totally tip my hat to Snyder and Capullo, and they're great. Five, I give it five stars. It you know, like it was like. A matter of inches between pick of the week. It like, really is great that yeah. Batman is an event book, yeah. like, and not in the traditional way. In that you look forward to it when it comes out. In the yeah. actual title, yeah. too, yeah. not yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 I gotta give Snyder credit. I mean, re- if you ask me, like a lot of this Batman run has been built, uh, not built. I mean, Snyder and Capullo are doing great as a team, but a lot of it, like the 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 labyrinth issue, and like there's been like, oh my god, look at Capullo. A lot of it, the story has been like, oh my god, look at Capullo yeah. blowing the doors off. This issue, I thought was all Snyder. Yeah, no, it was just like, was, yeah, really was that the story and the characterization and all that stuff? Like he's he's nailing it. So um, yeah. Now, Ron, I would have put you up on my shoulders and carried you around the apartment if you had picked MacGyver. Fugitive Gauntlet number one as a pick of the week. I gotta be honest with you, it was close. <laughs> I mean, it was not close. Well, before, Low ceilings. Before we get into it, I, I think, Connor, I think it's important for us to explain, and also for Josh's benefit as well, to explain the importance of MacGyver and the American zeitgeist, and the American cultural. Did you watch MacGyver, Josh? No. Wow, wow. Magi- MacGyver in the age of action adventure tele- television shows in the 80s, MacGyver really set the bar really high in terms of both. Quality of show and something and aspirational. I mean, growing up, I mean, MacGyver is yeah, like a verb. Yeah, yeah, MacGyver. Yeah. You know, like he's a good lesson to teach. He doesn't like guns. He, yeah. doesn't, he, he will burn you. Well, before we get to that, I love that the cover actually took place. Not only took place, but it was actually like a panel from. Yeah, uh, um, MacGyver was me and my brother's favorite show. Like for oh, a long time, we yeah. bought. It was not only on every Saturday, but it was on in syndication. So you'd watch yep. five days a week, and then Saturday you'd watch the new episode. I, I I could I could totally recreate the opening sequence with the explosion and. Like, you could recreate it. Well, no, I mean, like, I, could, I, could, I could sketch it out. You could walk me through it. I could walk you through it. Okay. Um, I have distinct memories of the, remember that the fire ants episode where you went to the. I do remember the fire ants. Fire ants. Yep. That, that yep. still creeps me out. Yep. Just think about the, the ants and the yep. uh, just the fact that for you know the whole mystery of his first name until the very end we found out what it was and the MIT episode where he had to figure out how to get into that locked room. Yep. Oh yeah. Great, great. Just great. I mean, it was you're right. It was aspirational because it wasn't all about. Violence. He didn't really like violence. He was smart. He used his brains to. to There's a lot of gunplay in this issue, though. Well, but not by him. Not by him. Oh, so, oh, I see. Yeah, so oh, oh, it wasn't me. So well, it was the '80s shows where everyone got shot, at, but never, ever, no one ever got hit. Yeah, yeah. where all... they couldn't figure out what a gunshot sound effect sounded like. You mean that that era? <laughs> yes. There were always guns. I mean, yeah. But anyway, um, Phoenix Foundation. Yeah, Phoenix Foundation. Pete. Um, but anyway, so so when Image Comics two years ago announced that they were going to be bringing MacGyver to comics with the original creator Lee um, what, what, Lee Zoltoff, um, mm-hmm. F. Lee Zoltoff, Lee, Lee David Zoltoff, Lee David Zoltoff, not F. Lee Bailey, <laughs> Lee, Lee David Zoltoff. Um, you know, we were just like ecstatic, and right. it took a while to get here, and so now the the issue finally came out, 
and the creative team ended up being um, so it's written by Lee David Zoltoff and Tony Lee. Yeah. So you know you got the original you know TV creator, plus a comic writer. Yep, and then pencils and inks by Will um, Sliney. And now here's the thing: this could have been this could have been awful. Yeah. Like, do you remember the twenty four adaptations yes. of Mind Dev and stuff like yeah. that? Now this wasn't. This isn't Watchmen. No, it's not. It's not the greatest thing in the world. You know, like it's. it's but you know, uh, it felt. Yeah. The dialogue felt really authentically the, MacGyver. For I, so for MacGyver fans, this is exactly what I want out of it. Can I tell you something? This what? is great art. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great artist for this. Will Sliney's doing like a kind of like a Sean Murphy Jeremy Hahn hybrid almost. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that there's no establishing who MacGyver is. There's no picking up from the TV series. This could be just an episode. Yeah. And that's exactly the way you want to do I it. I see that they have man-sized cages. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to put them in the cage. We have man-sized I cages wish, I wish here. the mullet had been a bit more pronounced. The mullet was only yeah. slightly mullet. Well, they've updated it a bit. I, yeah. mean, they, I mean, MacGyver looks a little younger than Richard Dean Anderson was in the show and, and all that sort of stuff. But How good of a hockey player is this version? Well, we haven't gotten into the hockey. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was also in the opening. He would, he would skate up. And, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that. It's the only thing yeah. I know about it. Um, um, but I was really t- taken by the dialogue. It really, yeah. it, I, I could hear Richard Dean Anderson in my head because yeah. they really they're nailed. Plus, you get the secret history of MacGyver in the back as with Melly David Slotov. Right. Which is, which honestly, from a back back matter for a fan, like that's that's totally the way to go. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Um, so if you were if you are about our age or even younger, my brother's favorite show of all time is MacGyver. Yeah. Um, and he's a little younger than we are. So. Yeah. So MacGyver number one. I mean, it's a five issue miniseries. Hopefully, they do more. I know uh, Zoltov has plans to do more about bringing MacGyver to the world. Um, so I, I couldn't be happier with this issue. So it was great. Didn't uh, they almost do a MacGyver TV show update in the CW? Yeah, I think they so. They shot a I pilot. Think, I think yeah, I think there's been. I, I it think, was the guy from Gilmore Girls, wasn't MacGyver it? Year yeah, One? It was Jess. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was, it was his son, and it was Virginia Milo. No, it was no, it was, it was, it was Dean. It was Dean. Dean. Yeah, Dean. yeah. Chad Michael Murray. Was it Chad Michael Murray? Yeah, I, thought well, it was, I thought it was Dean. Isn't Dean Chandler? No, oh, no, I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember Richard Harrison played played himself. In the, yeah. Like they're doing Beverly Hills Cop now. You yeah, that? smart. No, Eddie Murphy's going to play Maxwell Foley in, uh, to to his son in the, Sean Sean Ryan Sean oh, Ryan's show. Oh, really? Yeah, Sean Ryan's doing it. Wait, that's that's a real thing that's on, happening yeah, on Fox. Yeah. When? It's <laughs> next season. <laughs> Let's talk about TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> eh, eh, eh. Um, but so before we get to the next book, we want to thank one of our sponsors. We want to thank Seagate for helping us uh, come to New York Comic Con and get all this great New York Comic Con coverage that you can expect over at iFanboy.com. Uh, you want to check out the Seagate GoFlex satellite, which is an awesome external hard drive that not only stores all of your media, all your music and movie movies and TV shows, but it also has Wi-Fi and can stream them to your devices, whether it's an iPad or an Android tablet or whatnot. Um, it's using their free uh, GoFlex satellite uh, app that you can download and, and utilize with the drive as well um, they've got great um, it's got a nice little har- nice little hardware it fits snugly in your pocket or in your bag or whatever you need um, and you go to seagate.com slash ifanboy get 10% off the seagate GoFlex hard drive um, so we want to thank seagate for our coverage of New York Comic Con I, I enjoy the fact that Fantastic Four 611 there's the giant final issue banner on it but the story doesn't actually end until FF20 yeah. Well, it's the final issue of this issue. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, like but... I expected more of a definitive ending because it was the final issue. But well, I thought this is this this, this so this kind of went back while we've had all these one and dones. This kind of go, went back to the big story and wrapped up what happened to Doom. Yeah, and we get a sense of what happened to Doom, and not only layered in a lot of uh, Val and what her machinations were and what we can expect from her. I thought it was good. Stegman art was great. Um, this run on Fantastic Four Hickman, I'm, you know, I'm sure they're going to omnibus out and it's going to be one that to remember. I still feel like it ended at 600, but this was good. I mean, it, was, yeah. it's, it, was, it wasn't as special as it had been before, but I still really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, 
Wolverine and the X-Men. <sighs> 18. Number, number 18. Wow. Ugh, Jason Aaron is a bastard. He's a he's a bad. I mean, he's a bastard. He, I mean, in all the best kind of ways. He, Josh, he took the most beloved character of the book and killed it. Well, we see as of right now. I haven't gotten to read it yet. Nope. I know what I'm just saying. I forgot about that. I was going to keep reading it, but I am. So, it, go ahead, say what happened. It's I'm fine. not going to spoil it for you. Did but... he kill Dupe? No. Oh. Closer though. All right. But I mean, that's what Jason Aaron does. He he he, he recognizes the value of. Of doing that, it's a Joss Whedon mode, and not that he's ripping off Joss Whedon, but that's the, they recognize the value of and he rips your heart occasionally out. ripping your heart out. It rips your heart out. Um, this issue was great because it, it it picked up, it tied in again. I got to give Wolverine and the X Men the credit for probably getting the award for handling the AVX crossover the best. Yeah, and this tied into the events of with Xavier and um, and Cyclops and Wolverine in a contextual way that made sense. You have the last moment before Xavier dies, him reaching out telepathically to Wolverine, going, "Whatever you do, don't close the school. Don't let them close the school." And so that was emotional. Then you had Kitty dealing with the school while this is all happening and trying to keep the school running and organizing a dance. <laughs> and then at the same time, you have the continuing story of the Hellfire Club, what uh, and with with uh, with Kilgore, with, uh, Kilgore that. Um, that Jason's been doing since the first issue continues and with tragic results as we lose our little broodling. So, yeah, tragic. But I like the fact that they decided it was so stressful they needed to have a dance. That was great. Yeah. And so everyone was like, dance. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it led to very awkward teenage dancing. Yeah, which is always fun. When they're, like, they're not, usually. Um, the Avengers 31, I wanted to mention, you, you mentioned earlier how it was nice to sort of get back to the Avengers about all the, the stuff, and this was sort of like that. I mean, this is not an AVX crossover, there's no banner, it's just the... Last couple, last couple issues of Bendis' run. And it, well, Didn't it they announced that like a year and a half ago? It just, I feel like he's been ending his run for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and it picks up picks up the cover treatment from when he started with Disassembled with yes. the little punch font. That's you know, true. Avengers End Time. You didn't even think this was the issue. You thought this was a miniseries or something. Right? <laughs> yeah, you saw yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was fun. I mean, it, it's sort of nice to have an Avengers story that's just an Avengers story and not anything else. Yeah. And, you know, Wonder Man showed up again to say, you know, when I was a dick before, I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, and then the Red Hulk punches him. It was just it was nice. It sets up a new storyline. I guess his final arc, which is going to take place. Is the is the, is the Hulk then punching somebody? The new uh, like Electra stab. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Although that joke was used in the movie. It was. Yeah. But um, I mean, they they as far as they know, he's a bad guy because he attacked right. them before. So they see him talking to Cap and they attack him without without asking questions. Uh, so they go, they're going to go into some sort of pocket because that, that Wonder Man thing he needed to resolve because yeah. that was floating out Bendis has so many but Bendis has, balls in the air. Be, yeah Bendis has Claremontian <laughs> up to do a Claremontian corner with the Avengers and that there we got the closet we got Wonder Man we got uh, there's the Ultron story we got the Ultron story there's a lot of dangling things that I don't feel he's ready to close up so we'll see how he how he finishes up so nah yeah. I planned it that way yeah um, I got I actually impulse bought Emmy Kami Girls. Um, how the fuck you say that? Emma Kami Girls? Emma Kami Girls. I got Emma. Featuring Wonder Woman, I got because it was Palmiati and Grey Wright and Meta Connor on art. And uh, I don't know who this is for. I thought it was from, for like a all-ages kind of thing because it was. It seems like it would be, but there's a lot of violence, a lot of scantily clad Amazons and some, some not adult language, hey, but more adult language. Girls love that shit. Yeah. So, I mean, it was great at looking. A man kind of drew most of it. Some of it was, was uh, Tony Aikens, yeah. who apparently just comes in whenever they Wonder Woman films. But yeah. uh, if you like a man of Connor, it was some good Wonder Woman stuff. Different kind of Wonder Woman. 
Yeah. So before we get to our last book that we're going to talk about, and before we wrap up the show, we just want to thank our last sponsor, um, Audible.com. We want to thank them for sponsoring this episode of iFanboy. Um, and you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy and sign up for Audible uh, and get a pretty good deal on your, your first sign-up. And you can enjoy the wonderful world of audiobooks, which, Josh, I know you are a fan of. That's true. I was on a road trip today. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a book to you. Keeping with our presidential historical right. theme... I'm going to recommend that you go with this. The, is, wait, this is your presidential history moment. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, a moment in presidential history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need music. I recommend that you read or listen to uh, The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, uh, written by Edmund Morris, as read by a guy who sounds a lot like J.P. Peterman. <laughs> and then he went to 20th Street and was... It, it didn't matter. It was a, it's, a, it's a great book. I'm now listening to Theodore Rex, which is the, the sequel about his time in office as president. The rise of Theodore Roosevelt will take you right up to the time when, uh, when McKinley dies. I know that's a spoiler. Damn it, Josh. <laughs> I know, I know. I know what happened 100 years ago, but... Okay, yeah. Well, sorry. <laughs> well, there you go. You go to Ottawa. And, the, and apparently, every 20 years in the 1800s, the president gets shot. McKinley should have known it going into it. <laughs> it was a thing that had happened. So Garfield, the, the Lincoln, uh, the rise of Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, he's a fascinating person, and uh, uh, maybe next week we'll 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 check in with some tidbits of historical information about him uh, and his greater see, context. What's the URL to get to? Audiblepodcast.com slash iFanboy. Get ten percent off that book. Or any book. Yeah, or any. Or you any don't book. have to read that book. Yeah. Well, there'll be a, there'll I, be a I don't know if it's ten percent. I, I have some sort of deal when you sign up. Ten percent of CD. Yeah, you're right. I think we're doing some script. I think you you have to read it. We're free balling. I'm going to go ahead and assign it. Um, gonna, it's mandatory. There's going to be a quiz. The Phantom Stranger, number one, uh, from Dan Dio, Brett Anderson, Philip Tan. I thought the art was really interesting because it's, it's mostly Brett Anderson, but Philip Tan's doing uh, embellishes, which is... Is it credited as embellishes? Yes. Which you haven't seen in a long time. Finishing. Um, no, embellishes. Um, and it ends, up, it ends up looking kind of interesting. I don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. As I normally do, but it's, it's sort of kind of Philip Tan, but also kind of Brent Anderson. Now, I'm not going to lie. The name Dan Dio on the cover of a book makes me go, no. I did that until all that was fantastic. So now I don't say that automatically. This is basically Phantom Stranger going through the DCU, dealing with the various other mystical it, people in this issue. He, he runs into Raven and tries now, now, didn't they, don't they position the Phantom Stranger as being like one of the... He's going to be the big deal at Trinity War. Yeah. It's Phantom Stranger, The Question, and Pandora. Now, he yeah. showed up... He, in so, the Animal Man, they was it? That. Pandora's here. Yeah, they did, never announced that, which they're, yeah, which they're, they haven't yet. They haven't yet. Did, did Phantom Man, Phantom Stranger showed up? Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. 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 Phantom you know what that means? Yeah. It can oh, only mean one thing. thing. <laughs> when the Phantom Stranger shows up, it means invasion. He <laughs> showed up. He showed up in Animal Man, though, didn't he? Is that what happened? Like there was some weird dude, and then yes. he put on the he outfit. Had the silver. That was yeah, pretty. That, that, was, was, that was pretty vague. I was like, wait a minute. That's the. He is Judas. And the silver he wears on uh, his neck uh, is the which the is related, which is related to the the Walt Simonson hardcover that just came out. Yes, and he the silver he got paid is the, the necklace he has to atone for each 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 piece of silver he has to atone. Is for. it really related to Walt's Judas coin? Like, is, is, uh, no, no, sure. no, 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 no. Oh, but that's I thought you meant something else. No, no, that's a different story. No, but that's the Judas. Like, well, that's Judas. Judas like the biblical. No, 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 but it's not Phantom Stranger. That's different. Huh? It's not. That's a timing wise though. They put that's that out. Walt's whole thing. It's not related to this at all. Okay. That's specifically about one coin. All right. This is fair enough. Um, but this is... Jesus, comics got really biblical just then. <laughs> <laughs> I always love Phantom Stranger. This, he's, still, he's still at the big 70s collar and the necklace yeah. over the collar. He's always just, that They haven't redesigned him. He looks uh -huh. awesome. <laughs> kind of like MacGyver would dress. So those is are, it? No. Those are the books that came out this week that we thought were notable. Go to ifanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review and you can yell at me for picking Uncanny Avengers over Batman. Or you can you can say uh, right on. Good he job. struggled, folks. Yeah, um, I was there. 
But go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can see all the books that came out and see what people rated them and made their picks of the week. And you can see that 95% of the people, at least <laughs> as the time of recording, want, chose Batman 13 as their pick of the week, which is kind of awesome. Um, and also go to ifanboy.com where you can see all of our coverage of New York Comic Con, which will be wrapped up by the time this comes out. Um, on Sunday after the con, but we will, um, if you missed out on all the news and the announcements and things like that, you can check it all out um, over at ifanboy.com. Um, so, yeah. And email, contact at ifanboy.com. Yeah, you can email us at contact at fanboy.com. You can call us on our voicemail line at 1-888-FANBOYS. It's 1-888-326-2697. We didn't do any emails, voicemails, because we're in a very small hotel room and hungry. So, uh, okay, happens. listen, we're better than this. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, I mean, like, you know, I 355. you got a taste of, of sort of what we do. Again, if you're nude. Yeah, if you're nude. If, um, if you are. Go back a week or go ahead a week. Or Here's the deal. We've been doing this for six years. No, seven. Seven years. There's maybe 10 or 15 shows like this while there are 340 episodes. Listen, that are, well, are what I'm saying this. is. This is this is better than you're going to get with most people anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, we're just winging it here, and I, I think you know it's raw, it's fun, uh, and it's 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 what you want. And what would what would Teddy say about the show? Bye. Actually, he would say it's delightful. <laughs> we want to thank everybody who came and said hi to us at the New York Comic Con. Yes. Also, our- really, only Alice was allowed to call him Teddy, and after she died, again, spoiler. Uh, people, he really didn't like being called Teddy, just as a... Well, he's dead. He can't do anything with me. Bully. Anyway. <laughs> so we want to thank everybody who stopped by and said hello at our table at the con, and also everybody who came to our party on Friday with Rick Remender and Jerome Pena. Um, I don't like it when you talk about things... What if no one We comes? had a great time. Uh, we want if, to thank what everybody. If, what if one of us gets killed? What <laughs> if there's a fire in the, in, in, in the bar the underground? This ground? won't get published. Oh, you're right. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's so no there, no only if you get killed. Yeah. If I get <laughs> killed... If we die in a fire in the bar, do you still publish the show? Yeah, probably. I need something to hold on to. <laughs> yeah, I need some sort of... Yeah, but, but tragically. Think of, I mean, the show notes will be really depressing. Think of the press. I know, okay. I know. They kept on, they, he kept on going. That's How would you take advantage of that? Like, like, this is a tribute to my friends and my brothers who have fallen. Right, our last podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got to get over to the con. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Goodbye. Goodbye.